It's time for the Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. Uh, good show today. Uh, our buddy Sam King going to stop by here. Lots of uh, high school spring sports are starting up here. Uh, also, you know, still got some Purdue football going on. We'll talk with him. I, I missed a lot last week. So uh, we'll have Sam on here in just a little bit. We'll talk about that. I mean, there's just so much to catch up on here. National championship game tonight as well. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's start getting into everything here. And uh, i got to figure out what to... To figure out everything that I did miss. Like I, I tried to stay off social media just a little bit, you know, just mellow out, just relax as much as I can with an eleven month old baby. But uh yeah, so uh, here I am catching up. Let's get started. Need to know news time. Here's your need to know news. Well, Zach Eady had a busy weekend in Houston, just not the uh the weekend that he probably originally wanted, but Still, uh, getting a couple of awards, the AP Player of the Year Trophy and the Nate Smith Award while down in Houston. So Edie becomes the first Canadian to win the award named after a Canadian. He's the first Boilermaker since Glenn Robinson in 94 to win the National Player of the Year. Uh, He has also won that from several other outlets. He is the fifth Big Ten player in the last 14 years to be named the National Player of the Year. And despite that, how many national titles does the Big Ten have to show for? Best player? But don't have the... Don't have the uh, tournament success. It's crazy. Man, he just had an amazing year. All-American by just about every outlet. I... Well, by every outlet. What am I saying? Just about. You know the stats by now. Chris Warman's got like a huge list up of everything that he's won so far. Nate Smith, National Player of the Year, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award, USBWA National Player of the Year, AP National Player of the Year. Look at the Wooden Award this week for him to win. Pete Newell, Big Man Year, uh, Big Man of the Year. NABC National Player of the Year. All the first team consensus All-American. It's just it, it's insane what he's done. Insane what he has done. Uh, Purdue Baseball manages to take two out of three against Northwestern over the weekend. Had to do the doubleheader on Sunday because Saturday, I don't know, it's like 40-mile-an-hour winds out there. Not exactly ideal baseball uh, weather. Uh, Northwestern snuck in that first game, but Lucas Cook... Uh, with a walk-off homer in the 10th and the 2nd, uh, which is able to get them to split that Sunday doubleheader and take the series that pulls them to an even 3-3 three and three in league play. They are going to host Evansville tomorrow. Purple Aces in town. Purdue women's golf 
Uh, third out of 15 teams at the Bruzzy. Danielle DeToit, 68, uh, with that two under leading the way uh, on the final day. She finished seventh overall. Boilermakers uh, fired up a final round of plus nine. They edge out Texas Tech by a stroke. It's a good performance. You love to see it. Our women's team's got, I'll tell you what, they got some gamers. Uh, men's golf has not had the success this weekend. Round one down in Naples did not go well. They were sitting in ninth and ninth. They really struggled after that first day. They were 24 over, two shots behind Iowa in the eighth spot. Wake Forest led the tournament after day one at seven under. So, yeah, you can see the uh, the big gap there. Round two is going on right now. Uh, Purdue had moved up in front of Iowa, but now back down ninth at uh, seven over on the day. They sit six strokes behind Iowa to get out of the basement, and then uh, probably too big of a gap to catch Georgia, who is at 13 over. But stranger things have happened. It's just not been a uh, it's not been a good trip down to Naples for the men's golf squad. Cubs lose their rubber match yesterday, nine to five. The final uh, tie-in making his Cubs debut goes four innings, three earned, two Ks, one walk. Patrick Wisdom homered in the second, went two for four with two ribbies. Uh, Nico Horner two for five with a run. Every Brewer batter got at least one hit. You don't like to see that. Cubs head to Great America today to take on the Red 640 with the start there. Drew Smiley takes on Connor Overton. Meanwhile, White Sox, I mean, you got to take a, a, a four-game split with Houston in Houston, right? I mean, that was that team was the bane of their existence last year. Could not really get over on those guys. 6-3 to three the win yesterday. Mike Clevenger making his uh, start. Five innings, eight Ks, no earned runs. Yellen Moncada went three for four. Also homered in the ninth. Southsiders are back at it at home. Uh, they will host um, uh, Anthony Descafani. Uh, and that is uh, got Mike Kopech on the other side in the mound in that matchup. And that game is ready to uh, start here in about, I think, like 10 minutes or so. Uh, that's an early start on the south side. It was like the conditions weren't exactly great out there, but to be honest, it seemed like it was going to be better than what it was in Wrigley over the uh, weekend. Like the wind was today uh, supposed to be blowing in a little bit at guaranteed low rate field, but not by much. It's coming in just just barely um, out of left, but more maybe a crossing wind from left to right. Meanwhile, Great America Ballpark, you know, there's supposed to be, that's always a hitter's ballpark, but uh, a very, very slight wind coming in from uh, center right center. And uh, you should probably see some action, I would think, in Great America Ballpark between the uh, Cubs and Cincinnati. You want to see the long ball. Decent conditions for that to happen. It's, uh, like I said, it's, it's not a very strong wind down there today. And um, it is a hitter's ballpark. So there you go. That is today's Need to Know News. Man. I'll tell you what, I, I missed out. Really missed out last week, giving you guys out plays. I'm ready to do it, though, again here tonight. Where do you go? Everybody's on UConn tonight. 
I saw Drake put down like a quarter of a mil. That's usually a kiss of death right there. Against San Diego State. I, I don't know. The way this tournament's been going, UConn's what? Haven't they won every game by double digits? It's just been a real wonky tournament here. I don't have a great beat on it. I, I just don't. So I've got to get back to baseball. I do like the White Sox here, and again, they start in about like two, three minutes. Cubs, Reds, eh. I don't know if I have a huge edge there. Over-unders up to nine. Seems like a lot. I'm going to go ahead and give you some total bases. Though. Let's try some total bases. Mike Trout in the Angels. Mike Trout over one and a half bases. Trout is a career hitter against Seattle, the Mariners. Career. 356. Against one team? George Kirby's on the mound. He is uh, career 400 against Kirby on the mound. So uh, I'm going to go with uh, Mike Trout. That is the first one. T-Mobile Park also has wind blowing out. It's going to be cold up there in Seattle, but the wind blowing out. See, I'm going to go with Trout. And then our old buddy Jose Abreu down there in Houston, over one and a half bases. He is absolutely smashing the pitcher that he is taking on tonight. So uh, he's going up against Boyd. 389 against this guy in 38 plate appearances. That's the Tigers. Matthew Boyd, they're down there in Houston, temperature controlled. Yeah, I love Jose Bray tonight. Over one and a half bases. Again, hitting 389 against this guy. So, yeah, that's what we're going. We're on Mike Trout over one and a half bases. Jose Breu over one and a half bases. Those are my two plays for today. Uh, if you want to, our friends over at DraftKings do have a uh, same-game parlay boost for you. If you want to get into that, the more legs you add, the bigger your boost can be. And you can already take advantage of the Masters this weekend. Um, you can opt in and get a plus 300 odd surge on any golfer to win at Augusta. You can also get a 20% boost on Tiger to finish in the top 20. What is he right now to be in the top 20? Plus 225. So if you got in on that Tiger, the boost it to plus 270. Place top 20. I know you like betting on Tiger. I like betting on Tiger. I like to root for him. Not everybody does. But I'm in on it. All right, we're going to take a break. Sam King's going to join us here in just a few minutes. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, we'll get to this fiasco at the end of the LSU and Iowa Women's National Championship game. We've also got trouble at Michigan. What's going on with Michigan men's basketball? Oh, gosh, we got plenty of stuff to talk about here on the Hammer Down Show. Coming up on 101.7 The Hammer and 101.7 The Hammer. Dine, we're going to bring in Sam King, Lafayette Journal and Courier, our good buddy here, covers just about everything here locally. Lucky to have him on here, Sam. Uh, always great to have you back. Um, lots to get to here. I want to get into some high school stuff here, but first... Uh, I, I do want to talk a little bit because I, I missed all last week here, and I know there was a, a little bit of a scrimmage over the weekend. Uh, Purdue football continues their spring practices. 
Um, when I talked to you a couple weeks ago, you talked about how the vibe was uh, a, a lot different than it had been. You, you thought it had been a little bit more upbeat and stuff. So uh, tell me, the, the last week and a half, tell me some of the stuff that's been standing out to you here uh, under, this, uh, under this new regime. Well, uh, I think just first of all, the continuity between the players and coaches um, is a big thing, especially when you bring in a whole new staff. Um, you wonder how that's going to work. And, you know, at least with the players that we've been able to talk to, um, seems like, that you know, everything is going great just in that regard. And I know they haven't played any games yet. They haven't lost yet, um, haven't really faced a lot of adversity um, over six spring practices I think they've had now. So, um, you know, you don't delve too much into that. But uh, a lot of people are getting reps. Um, you know, I saw that there's an alignment that entered the transfer portal the other day. But other than that, um, it's been pretty much all positive news um, out of those six practices and uh, steady improvements. Um, I used the word rapid improvement on Saturday, and, and Coach Ryan Walters shot that down and said you don't have rapid improvement in the spring. It's just, you know, can you get better from day two to day three, from day three to day four? And so far he said Purdue's been able to do that um, each time out, which is a good sign that, you know, you want the guys to keep getting better and then hopefully come fall hit the ground running. Look at this. It's more, what, a week and a half in, you're already getting chided by the head coach? Jeez, way to get on the radar, buddy. Uh, I think he, he brushed off and, and was kind in the way he answered it, but, you know, maybe my terminology was not uh, the best to use in that situation. But Well, so at least we got you straightened out. That's the important thing here early on. We're talking to Sam King of the Journal Courier. Here on our Hammerhead Hotline, all right, so you know, Purdue football off and running. Things seem like they're they're going well over there. Let's kind of transition here into high school where the, the spring seasons are are starting to emerge here. So, uh, you know, your, your baseball, your softball, and I know this is a very let, – let's start with, you know, you know, track. This is always a, a very competitive um, area when it comes to track. Like, I'm amazed. Uh, there's a lot of pride here. Uh, especially on the men's side, when we talk about you know who's got the most speed and everything too, um, let, let's kind of go go over track with me here a little bit. Who, who are some of the names that we we'll probably want to watch here, and uh, uh, who are you know what are the, some of the areas that you're going to be focused on here this spring? Uh, well, there um, you're right. There's been a lot of state champions in recent years, um, tons of state qualifiers, and uh, it's not easy to get out of the regional that these teams have to go through where. You're facing Carmel, Hamilton, Southeastern, Zionsville, some of those larger schools out of the uh, Indianapolis suburbs area. Um, so it's, it's quite impressive when you think about that. Um, one name that um, you know, I think a lot of people probably should look at is Wyatt Curl. He's a senior pole vaulter at West Lafayette, and I think he just finished second in the um, indoor Hoosier State relays um, for pole vault. Um, he's going to be a Division One pole vaulter, and... Um, you know, he placed on the podium last year at the state finals uh, and, and said he had a long way to go after that. So definitely a name to know there. Um, there's just several, and, um, you know, right now we're not seeing uh, best times or, you know, some people haven't even run outdoors yet. So it's hard to gauge uh, a lot this early in the season um, because if you are running outdoors, the conditions aren't great. But also uh, we're just getting back from spring break for, for most schools, and I know that West Lafayette was supposed to have a meet with Zionsville last week that ended up getting canceled. So, um, you know, we'll probably know more a week or two from now uh, in that regard. Could not pay me all the money in the world. To, my sister was a pole vaulter. I, I couldn't do that. There's no way. I don't know about you, Sam, but that is 
for my money, uh, out of every sport in, in high school that Indiana has to offer, that is like literally the only sport I'm like, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. I think every pole vaulter who's been, you know, a state qualifier or, or that uh, type of that caliber of athlete um, through the 15 years I've, I've been here, I've asked them at some point, at what point did you think, you know what I really want to do is I want to take a long pole, sprint as fast as I can, stick that in the ground and launch myself into the air. Um, you know, you're right. It, it seems frightening. And um, I don't know, especially these people getting 15, 17 feet, um, <laughs> like what in the world? That's got to be a, a hectic drop, um, you know, kind of scary. I know there's a mat down there, but that's a big fall. So you got to fall gracefully from that high. Yeah, no, and uh, Grace and uh, you and me, those are uh, that's a quality we normally don't have here. We're talking with Sam King, the Journal and Courier, on our Hammerhead Hotline. All right, let's get over to baseball here. Um, you know, this uh, again, it's another. There's another community that loves its baseball. It, it gets very competitive. I know it's uh, probably been a little bit slow here with the uh, weather getting uh, things off on the right foot, but. Uh, do, do we have any contenders in baseball this year and uh, any standouts that uh, the folks at home need to uh, be watching out for? Well, I think the big thing is um, can Central Catholic repeat um, as a state champion? And Coach Bordenay over there has, has won eight state titles, which uh, I believe is tied for the most in, in state history. Uh, so, you know, if, if you can get there, he would have had the most last year, except for, I believe, Andrean won too. So it was it kept him... Even, but, um, you know, several of those guys are back. Ben Mazur, um, had a great year last year pitching, really had a, you know, he had a great sophomore year, then, then kind of broke out and just was dominant all last season and, uh, helped pitch that team to a state championship. Uh, I would expect at the end of the year, that's a, a team that you look at. Um, West Lafayette opens its season tonight against Frankfurt, uh, with a new head coach, um, Aaron Wood, now leading that program and mm-hmm. then, uh, they turn around and I think play McCutcheon on Wednesday. So you get a little early season gauge for um, what West Side looks like. McCutcheon is always strong. Harrison's always strong. Uh, Clayton Richard now is, uh, you know, probably got a, his footprint on the program a little bit more than he did a year ago. So I'm interested to see how Lafayette Jeff um, kind of elevates this program from year one to year two with uh, with him running the the ship over there. And then, of course, you know, we got softball, too, uh, Sam. And uh, Harrison, with that just magical run that they had through the season last year, and I know they didn't get uh, you know everything they wanted, but uh, holy smokes, uh, you, you definitely uh, love seeing that from local, you know, local athletes doing great. Uh, tell me a little bit about the softball scene this year, and uh, do you expect uh, any teams to break out like Harrison did last year? Well, yeah, Harrison, um, Harrison's been the, the team around here for – several years now and um, kind of been on that threshold of can we get past that regional? And I know Harrison went to a state championship, something like 2008 or nine. Um, that was in my early days working here, um, but to see them get to the state finals. And I know it was, uh, you know, a record breaking um, run differential, but they were facing the, the national player of the year pitching for the other team. Um, so there's no shame in that. Uh, every other team in Indiana would have, would have traded spots except for, you know, the one, a two, a three, a, and four A state champions, so uh, I'm sure that uh, that's something to build on because a lot of those players last year were young. Uh, you do have to replace your starting pitcher, but um, and, and that is the key position in softball. But uh, a lot of those kids got that taste, and uh, now it's can uh, can we run it back and, and do it again? And um, you know, for years I feel like you know McCutcheon was the dominant team around here before Harrison 
kind of went on its run. And I feel like each year McCutcheon's kind of slowly been inching back to the point where it's ready to take that threshold. And uh, now it's time to see if, if, uh, if the Mavericks can get it done this year. Um, Lafayette Jeff has a new coach, so that's going to be an interesting storyline to see how that kind of develops. Uh, Central Catholic was much better, got a win against Delphi already, um, and a team that you know struggled in recent years, and then you felt like kind of took a step forward last year, and now it's can you take the next step forward and get back into postseason contention? And then West Lafayette will know a lot more, uh, I believe, tomorrow. Um, I think the Red Devils play Seeger maybe. Um, I've got a jumbled up 28 school calendar in my head, so it may not be that. Um, but yeah, West Lafayette's a team too that's, um, there's been years where I felt like, you know, the Red Devils were maybe like a pitcher away or, or one player away from really, um, being able to be competitive against some of the better teams on the schedule. And, um, now it's time to see if, uh, if you can take that next step for them as well. Sam King of the Lafayette Journal and Courier here on the uh, Hammerhead Hotline. Got to make sure that you follow him on Twitter as well. Uh, I know you also you finally got your thoughts down on uh, the Purdue men's basketball season into audio form. I know that was something you were talking about doing a couple of weeks ago. Uh, do you feel better now that you got that on uh, on tape now? I felt like you had a little bit of, I don't want to say frustration, but you had a lot of stuff you kind of wanted to get off your chest with that. Well, I, I wanted to respond, and, and the emails and tweets and everything, I, I wanted to respond to everybody, but it just, you know, it blew me away how how passionate some of these people were. And it's very, uh, it's very minor in terms of the fan base, the people that, that had the, you know, opinion that Matt Painter should be let go or whatever. And um, I wanted to let some time play out um, before I did that. But I also wanted to, um, because this was my first year doing the men's basketball beat, I wanted to get Matt Painter's contract so I could kind of see the numbers and everything and, and how realistic if you wanted to get rid of him, would that be? Which the answer is, it's not. Um, but once I got that and read through the thing and um, made my head hurt, there were so many zeros on some of those numbers. But uh, it's it was uh, you know finally time to kind of put it down and, and just address everybody with uh, one simple format and seemed to be the best way to go about it. How much in doing the research? You said you took some time and you're looking some stuff up. How much did your opinion change from you know? what your gut was in the moment and, and talking about stuff and then everybody going crazy about it to the point where you finally got that down, you know, in audio form. Did, did you find that your opinion, your perspective changed a lot, uh, very little, or it, it just basically still stayed the same? No, I, I would say I pretty much had an idea of, of um, everything. It was just basically getting the facts before I said something that wasn't true. Um, the biggest thing is, and a lot of people probably feel this way as well as I feel this team massively overachieved this year. And because it did, um, the expectations got raised. And that's what happens when you go out and beat, you know, a Duke and a Gonzaga uh, in the non-conference. Um, it kind of elevates those expectations. And I think that people expected, you know, back in November, okay, well, we've got a Final Four team if we can beat Duke and, and Gonzaga and West Virginia and, and Marquette. And, um there's nothing more random than a one-and-done tournament, as we've come to find out when I don't think anybody was uh, projecting a UConn versus San Diego State National Championship game. Sam King, Lafayette Journal and Courier. Tell you what, always got great stuff for you. Again, make sure you follow him on Twitter. Uh, he's got all your high school stuff on lock here throughout the uh, spring as well. Nobody does a better job than Sam, and we're lucky to have him on the show. Sam, always appreciate it. Thanks for taking time out of your Monday, man. It's good talking to you again. 
Thanks for having me on. Always appreciate it. Take care, buddy. All right, we're going to take a little break. We'll come back. Hey, I got more of the Hammer Down Show next for you on 1017 The Hammer 1017. Big thanks to Sam. We'll get his interview up here shortly, along with the rest of the show. It is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. I was shocked and I just really couldn't believe the stat coming out of last night's national championship game. Uh, for the women that uh, Purdue remains the only Big Ten team to to win the national title out of the Big Ten? That didn't seem right to me. But I saw that. But of course, we're not talking about that. Uh, Officiating at times in that one, at least from what I watched, seemed a head-scratcher. The delay of game warning and then the the technical on... uh, Caitlin Clark for the delay game after the warning that got explained by an official afterwards seemed I don't know about that I'm not as upset about um the the uh, I why can't I think of her last name right now Kim uh the the LSU coach um Kind of on the court and and go and, and not getting the tech there. I'm not as like up in arms about that stuff, but it does seem like it's been a season marred by the officiating or what people perceive to be the lack of. But that's the secondary story here. Ratings have been up tremendously for this women's final four, which is great for the sport. That's not what we're talking about today, though. Instead, we're, we're um, down to uh, hand gestures made by professional wrestlers, now imitated by women's basketball players and what's right and what's wrong. And if there's undertones due to uh, the color of people's skins and reactions to these things, Some might argue that, hey, we're talking about women's basketball. That's good for the sport. Let them be competitors. I disagree. Not that it's not good that we're talking about women's basketball. It's that we're not talking about it in the right light. We're not talking about it in the essence of the game. We've boiled it down to uh, one instance at the end of this game and whether or not what somebody did was right or wrong. And and we've thrown more fuel on that fire by adding a, a a racial element to it that is, you know, quite frankly, hard to ignore sometimes, especially when it comes to social media. Now, that saddens me because we just we had a lot of great players in that game. Caitlin Clark may very well be a generational talent when it's all said and done. I mean, she's making more money than she can go into the WNBA. Not a lot of women's athletes able to do something like that. No, she was the selling point of this tournament. That was that was supposed to be the face of this tournament, and it it yielded you know spectacular results up until then. But here we have this boiled down to you know what is right and what is wrong. Uh, was Angel Reese out of line for what she did? Now I, I I've said this when we have talked about. Uh, the NFL, 
and they started to clamp down on these, um, you know, getting up in your face and in, in that smack talk and stuff. And in 15 yards, people were throwing, you know, um, it fits about that. Let them play. Let them play. That was the rule now. They were trying to take out a, a lot of the fights, the cheap shots and things that uh, resulted in that. And then we went through things with the um, uh, last year with the uh, men's lines, the handshake lines. Should we get rid of handshake lines? Because, you know, people were acting out in those things. Certainly we had a couple of those instances in the women's games this year. Caitlin Clark is a known smack talker. Anybody that watches the Big Ten knows this. She's got some antics with it. I'm not with it. Think when you're a player of that caliber, you should be above that stuff. I say the same thing when LeBron does that. If you're supposed to be the face, if you're supposed to be uh, uh, the best, you're above that. I don't like it. I'm on my Coach Carter with that stuff. I, I do not understand what gives you the right to sully the game that I love with this kind of trash talk, despite the fact that somebody else does it too. You can be the bigger person. That, that, that's my personal take. Now I understand you can't, you can't take that out of the game anymore. I get it. That is what it is. And if you can't take it, then don't dish it out. So, you know, throwing it back at her at the end of that game, walking around for 15 seconds to try to do it in her face, I, for me personally, maybe a little bit much. It's one thing to do it while you're on the moon getting out of there. Okay, but maybe a little bit much. That's for me. But I'm not going to sit here and condemn the woman over doing something similar to what I don't think it's the exact same thing because I don't think Caitlin's ever gotten, maybe I'm wrong, I, I, don't, I don't think she threw any personal disrespect to them. At any point over the weekend. I, I Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe somebody can educate me on that. So, yeah, no. I, I, if, that's, if that's the way we're going to play those games, then that's the way they're, that, that's fine. That, that's all fair in it. You can't take it. Don't dish it out. And for her money, she, has she responded? Has she said anything derogatory or negative? I don't think so. It is a little bit weird to me that you are on the you are seconds away from your national title for, from achieving your overall goal, and, and your first reaction is I, I want to go belittle somebody. I, I never understand dancing on somebody's grave. I, I, I never understand trying to hurt somebody at their lowest point. Athlete or not, heat of the moment. As a human being, I, I don't understand that. But it, it started to feel oddly personal at the end, which I, I didn't get. Players in the post game continue to mention her. Angel on Instagram live. More shots, not, not veiled shots, just direct shots at, at, at Caitlin. I guess my question is, when is it fair to criticize? There's, there's smack talk within the game. But if it's continuing in the postgame, press conferences, 
It's continuing after the game on, on, on national television. It's continuing on uh, your social media. Did, is everything that she has done, it, was it, did it really warrant all of that? It just felt, it, it felt weird and a little bit of a, it felt a little bit personal. And I don't know if that has anything to do, and I know Angel brought up the, the fact that she doesn't fit in that box, and you know she gets criticism for who she is and the way that she acts, but that's how she is, and she's not going to apologize. And, and maybe the people that criticize her and, and say that to her are the people that would rather her play like Caitlyn. And then maybe th- th- this is where that all comes from. I, I don't know. But I think it's totally fair game on the court. I would just think 15 seconds away from the national championship with the clock running. That wouldn't be your first thought. But it is fair game. But again, there's a throw it up on Twitter, talking on the inside. It just, it seems a bit excessive for one person. I'm all for her getting her comeuppance for the trash that she has talked. But I just feel like it's starting to get a little bit excessive with it. I, that, I, and I think that's a perfectly fair criticism. And it, it, it's, you know, it, it's delved into what it is on social media, on the national talk shows, and, and, and I get that. Fair game on the court, fair game during the game. But it seems like a big pile. It really seems like a, a big pile on that poor girl. And, you know, she's tough. It can't be easy to have to go out today, do interviews, talk about losing that, to be asked about that constantly. It can't be easy for her either. But the point being is this is what we're talking about today. Not how good of a game it was. Not how great are the players that we have out there, but it's been boiled down to this. And I that doesn't seem right. It just doesn't. We gotta take one more break here. We'll come back. Uh we'll wrap up the things we missed. Uh Michigan men's basketball. Uh, well, I was gone for a week and now chaos out there. Hunter Dickinson had some comments over the weekend as well. We'll talk about that and the things we missed and more. Coming up next on... Back on the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. Time for some of the things that we may have missed today. Um, Hunter Dickinson over the weekend. First off, in the transfer portal. That's big time. That is huge. Next off on a podcast over the weekend, Dickinson on Juwan Howard, quote, all he cared about this year was showcasing Jets. With the guys he's targeting in the portal, they might struggle even to make the NIT next year. Well, sounds like a little bit of animosity there. Also, Cody Bufkin has decided he'll go to the NBA as well. So your top three scores for Michigan are on their way out. I mean, you're taking this thing down to the studs. 
so to speak. I had heard these rumors that maybe Hunter Dickinson had overstayed his welcome at Michigan. People were talking about that towards the end of the year. They certainly underachieved as a team. I've never been much of a Juwan Howard fan. But this is the portal era. Don't get don't get it twisted at all. This is the portal era. And in that sport specifically, your luck can change like that. But you have to be able to attract the right people. And right now, the best do want to go play with, you know, the best. A lot of the top transfers are getting out of the programs because they want to go someplace to win. They want to be that one piece that you need. They want to be like Nigel Pack. I know Miami doesn't get all the way there, but come on. Made a Final Four. But it is interesting there just how decimated Michigan is looking right now. I don't know where he goes. I don't know who is the... I don't know who the ideal target is for Hunter Dickinson. I know it's not Purdue. I know that. Would he stay in the conference? I don't know. Somebody's going to pay some money for him, though. I'll tell you that. He's not not good. Big guy that can step out and shoot a three at 7-2. Going to be on a lot of people's radars. There's another guy right there, though, you know, for me. You know, that stupid thing he does when he hits a three. I'm not with that stuff. But he was a guy that was a preseason All-American. So I'll be interested to see where he's going. There's these these Maryland rumors. That'd be interesting. That'd be real interesting. I don't know if that would happen. But uh, that would be... That would be something. Also, um, I, I was. Well, I don't. I, I guess I can't mention that, can I? Sorry. We'll talk about that. We'll, we'll talk about this a little bit tomorrow. But um, I also do want to congratulate Zach one more time. I he'll probably get the Wooden Award this week too. And he will solidify himself as the, I mean, it's almost not debatable at this point, right? Does he become the greatest Purdue men's basketball player in history? He's not going to have the scoring record. I get that. But in terms of individual accolades, man, that is... It's so impressive what he's been able to rack up. And I understand there's still people out there. I saw, you know, people still think that it's, you know who it is. And we'll still sell him and say it's Trace Jackson Davis. Again, who had a fine season, don't get me wrong, but we have demolished that argument so many times. 
When you break it down by 100 possessions, when you break it down by per 40 minutes, that gap is awfully large. Tracius logs more minutes a game than Zach does. So this whole thing with the, well, the stats are somewhat comparable, and Trace is a better passer. Well, we're not asking Zach Eady to pass the ball. We ask him to score and rebound. And in terms of this country, there is not one person that is better at it this season than that guy was. Man, I, I, hope he, I really hope he's enjoying it. He's always seemed like a great kid. I don't know what the future holds for him, whether he'll stay or whether he'll go. I'd like for him to stay. I don't know what that does to future plans. Like I said, it, it's, it's been a pleasure, though. That's all that I know. It's been a pleasure to watch a guy that goes in, is about his business, deals with all of the animosity and the hate that gets thrown at him, and you just you don't see... You don't see him trying to take victory laps. You just see him going in, being about his business, and, and playing with heart and passion. And I absolutely love that about him. And I can't wait till he wins the Wooden Award later this week. That's going to do it for the show. We're going to be back again tomorrow, 3 o'clock. We'll do it all over again. We'll uh, we'll talk a little baseball here. The Cubs, the Sox, off to uh, eh, mixed results, we'll say that. We'll talk about it tomorrow.